Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Adele Tevlin. She is an entrepreneur, mindset coach, therapist, and the female version of Tony Robbins. Adele, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you very much for taking and making the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story and your journey. Thanks, Brad. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share my story. I'm excited to possibly empower another female to take risks and to go for it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. That's what it's about, 100%. So you are, I would say you're a serial entrepreneur. You run multiple businesses. So I would say you're a serial entrepreneur who runs multiple business. You have a podcast, you're a mindset coach, a mentor, all of these things. You are one hell of a busy woman and you wear a hell of a lot of hats. And of course, you don't wear them all at the same time. But how important is prioritization and organization to you? And how do you stay on top of things? Totally. Oh, this is, I, I saw this question. I was like, this is such a good question. I'm also a mother. I'm also a mother to a there, okay. Last, but certainly not least, not a mother. Certainly not least. Yes. Most importantly, I'm a mother to a six-year-old. Yeah. So this idea of prioritization. So what's interesting, Brad, is prior to actually having my son, you know, I feel as though when my son came into my life and I was already running several businesses, he was that sort of impetus and catalyst for me to really start to prioritize what was important to me. Mm-hmm. And for me, the reason I'm able to be successful and actually funny enough, as, as busy as I might seem that I am, I also enjoy a lot of free time. I have so many boundaries around my schedule, where I delegate my time, where I don't spend my time. I have such clear understanding of what's important to me. And that is actually a reflection of the work that I teach, that I do, where I think for so many of us, especially women, we have this sort of martyr mentality of like, I should go to this thing. I need to do this thing for this other person. And one of the things that, you know, I I had the privilege of being mentored by some amazingly great people in my life. And they, you know, used to say to me, do the things that bring you joy and stop doing this out of obligation. And I think for a lot of women listening to this, it's like, For me, I think one of the things that shifted my entire trajectory of my life was recognizing where I was doing things from like the should obligation perspective versus is this something I truly desire? Is it moving me in the direction of where I want to go? Is it a must do? Is it something I can delegate to team? So in that realm, I have a great team that supports me. I have a nanny at home that supports me with my son. I have an amazing husband that's a partner in my life. So I feel extremely supported, but I've had to do a lot of work to get to that place to allow myself to receive that support, which I think some of the women listening to your podcast can probably relate to like giving yourself permission to, to receive support, not needing to do it on your own. So I feel I'm at a stage in my life where I don't do anything I don't really want to do. That's beautiful. I think that a lot of women do have that problem or trouble asking for help because they've been conditioned 
that you're supposed to do all these things because you're a woman, because you're a mother, all of these things, it's just that conditioning. And so women have trouble asking for help. And I think that that's a huge hurdle for women to overcome. Absolutely. It stems so much from what I call the mother wound. And the mother wound is like our woundedness around our own mothers or seeing how our mothers perhaps were martyrs or seeing that perhaps our mothers, especially if you think of our generation, our mothers were typically women that didn't necessarily do what they wanted to do. It was a very different time. So we have this wounding around giving ourselves permission to ask because it makes us feel weak or makes us feel something when actually, when you look at any successful human being, but if you were talking about women specifically, It's like those people are surrounded by support. And so when you start to heal that mother wound, which is like a lot of the work that I teach, and you start to step into the truth that no man is an island and and no successful person ever does it on their own. Yes. Right? Like it's just impossible. You only have hours a day. So I actually feel like that's shifted tremendously for me, but it is something I definitely see with my, with my clients and participants, like the super mom, I got to do it all. I got to wear all the capes, all, all at yeah. the same time, which leads to burnout and yes. dissatisfaction in our lives and feeling resentful towards our partners and our spouses and our children. It's like, it's a mess. Yeah. It's an absolute mess. For sure. So I'm curious then. What does your morning routine look like? Oh yeah. I mean, I love talking about morning routine. <laughs> I post about it every day on Instagram. So if you don't follow me on Instagram, you'll know exactly what I do every morning. So I'm a creature of, of habit. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that before I even tell you about the routine piece. Mm-hmm. So part of my entire like study in university was, you know, neuroscience and, and psychology. But I, I also was fascinated with studying successful people and the habits of successful people. So one of the things that I fortunately learned really early on in my life, because I was a dancer, I danced ballet pretty much semi-professionally my whole life, my parents were really strict about discipline. And so I was someone that understood the value of discipline, like waking up at the same time and doing my ballet four times a week. And so I was already conditioned in that discipline. And then when I started to study successful people and reading like Napoleon Hill, Thinking for Rich or, you know, different books like that, I started to recognize that the through line with successful people is that they, they were very structured. They had a routine and that routine was unwavering, you know? Yeah. So for me, a, a big part of the morning, I think the most important thing is that I fulfill on, on a certain structure, no matter what. So my mind has a direction that it knows it's going. Because here's the thing, like I wake up in the morning and some days you wake up in a good mood and other days you don't. And that's yeah. true be human. Yep. The structure of my morning routine keeps me focused on the direction that I'm going. So every morning I wake up and before I do anything, also don't sleep with my phone in the room. So like for all of you entrepreneurs out there, <laughs> yeah. get your phone out of your bedroom. I wake up and I do either breathing like breath work while I'm lying down, or I sit up and I do meditation and I do either like transcendental meditation, 20 minutes, or I'll do some breath work, or I'll listen to like a guided meditation. I love Sarah Blondin. Um, if you have insight timer, insight timer is great. It's a free app and it has Okay. So I do a meditation first thing. And then I have a journal that's next to my nightstand and I wake up and I do a little bit of journaling. So it's either free writing or it's like a gratitude or just something to get some thoughts on a piece of paper, go downstairs, make my coffee, have my water. And I go to the gym. I go to the gym first thing in the morning after I do those pieces. I'm usually at the gym by 6.30 or 7 a.m move my body every day. So moving my body to me is like a non-negotiable on so many levels. We don't need even to get into the details. (laughs) 
And then I come home and my husband and I have a routine where we have morning coffee together. And I think that is actually something I want to say to the women listening is like, we can get so busy in our lives that we can neglect the things in front of us that are extremely important to cultivate. And so my husband and I, he's also an entrepreneur. He's also very much into the mindset work. We sit down together for coffee and we talk about two things that we're grateful or appreciative of, of the other person during our morning coffee. That's beautiful. Right. Every morning. So it's like, Two things I appreciate about him, like I appreciate his love for me, or I appreciate that he takes the garbage out, or I pre- and he tells me what he appreciates, and it's how we start our day. It may take five minutes or ten minutes, depending yeah. on how long we have. And then I start my work day. So the first course I teach is called Morning Mindset Club, and that's all about setting yourself up for the day. Like so, I give people a reflection question to think about. I teach from a book. I teach something that is valuable to me, and that's usually a fifteen or twenty minute call. And then I start my the rest of my day. So. My morning, honestly, Brad, like Monday to Friday, is pretty much that. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. So I'm curious then, you being the entrepreneur that you are, have you always had that entrepreneurial bug? And if you have, where do you think that comes from? Such a great question. It's funny. So I never would have considered myself to be an entrepreneur when I was growing up because I wasn't that kid that like had the like lemonade stand. I, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. No, I knew I, you were going to use that analogy. Yeah, like, I, I, didn't. I actually didn't have that. You know, some people, when you look at like entrepreneurs, like, like Bill Gates or like, or like, you know, like, you know, what was that? Who's the guy that um, Steve Jobs, yeah. like you look at them and you're like, that guy was probably thinking about making money or, or sales or something like that their entire life. Innovation. I wasn't, I was raised in a family where my parents were not entrepreneurs. My mom was a dentist. My dad uh, was in business and sales. My brother went to law school. So it was very formal education driven. So I was very much primed to go to medical school. I, I did my pre-med. I did all the things. And so I think there wasn't, there weren't conversations in my house around entrepreneurship. It was okay. conversations around success, but in a very linear kind of model. So I did what most people do. It just like went to school, got a bunch of different degrees and then went to go work for other people only to realize that I'm someone that's unemployable. (laughs) (laughs) Don't like to be told what to do. Don't like to follow a set of rules that make no sense. And so it wasn't until I started my business, I think it was 2012 and I started my first business on Bay Street and I was doing weight loss coaching and CBT and like uh, working with corporate people doing corporate workshops. That's when I recognized my entrepreneurial spirit, but it was after failing in a few jobs and and actually feeling like a failure because I think what happens to entrepreneurs is that you try to put them in this box that they were never meant to fit into. Yeah, feel like a failure because you're like, why can't I be happy in this nine to five type of environment? And then when I started my business in 2012, I realized, wow, I'm actually extremely innovative, extremely creative. I'm not just a science and math nerd. I'm also, (laughs) you know, seriously, like I'm also extremely great with marketing and I I really understand I'm a great writer. I love to, I'm a good orator. Like I didn't know these things about myself because they were never fostered in me, not because my parents were anything other than they wanted me to go to med school or dental school. Like that was Mm -hmm. basically it. You have two choices, Adele. You're going here, you're going here. (laughs) And that's what you're that's what you were nurtured for. I was nurtured for a level of stability that my parents didn't have as immigrants when they came here. The idea of like a doctor is someone that is a high pedigree. Why or- wouldn't you want to do that, Adele? That yeah. like come on. Exactly. And I thought about it and I I wrote my MCAT and I wrote the DAT and I got into different things. And in, in the end of the day, I followed my gut, my intuition, which at the time didn't make any sense. People were just like, how is that all going to... see, I started in this field 
you know, so I'm 41 now. I've been an entrepreneur for like 15 years, if not more. And I've been in this personal development world for 20 years. Right. So right. I was in it before NLP was really cool or popular. People didn't know what CBT was. Personal development was not that popular then. Personal development's gone huge over the last five to 10 years. But I was doing this stuff where people were like, it seems a little bit- You're slow. doing what? Yeah, or they're like, this seems a bit cult-like. Everyone wants to come out as part of a cult. I was like, what cult do you think I'm part of, you know? So I would say I'm one of- the OGs, so to speak, in this world. <laughs> as a, yeah, as a woman, mm-hmm. before coaching was a thing, before it was popular to talk about mindset. So yeah, I hope that kind of answers your yeah. question. Yeah. I, it's funny you say the coaching before anyone knew what coaching was. I was speaking with someone, a woman the other day, we we're doing an interview and she was talking about how she got into coaching before coaching was a thing. And she told them she was going into coaching. It's like, oh, tennis, golf? What do you like? <laughs> <laughs> or when I say I'm a therapist, they're like like a physiotherapist. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's like coaching coaching what athletes? No, yes, I guess coaching athletes of the mind. Sure. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I'm curious, what drives, motivates, and inspires you to keep going, keep pushing, and excelling at all that you do? Oh my god. <sighs> I think that we are all born to be successful, Brad. And I think mm-hmm. that every human being innately wants to succeed and up level because it's part of our spiritual and genetic DNA. We're met. I always, I teach this to my students, like we're part of nature and nature is born to be successful. And actually the premise of the universe is the law of more life, which is that the universe is always moving forward and evolving. And I think that we're evolving beings, but I think what stops people is that they're so in their head or they have so many paradigms or stories about success so that they stop themselves. So I think when you say like, what inspires you to keep going? For me, there's no other option. I think it's a part of my personality, but it's also part of the, I've trained my brain. I've trained my mind. I've trained my psychology. I've trained my body for 20 years consistently. Like I've never stopped. Like if you ask anyone that knew me for 20 years, like it was one program and one thing and one mentor and one coach and one degree. It's like, it's an ever evolving growth and evolution for my life. So what inspires me every day is the fact that I am just the kind of person that's always looking for a greater expansion. I don't want to say more because more almost has it like there's not enough. Not enough. Yeah. Yeah. Greater expansion, wanting to learn more. I'm very, I've always been very curious. I've always loved reading. I've always loved mentorship and like working with amazing mentors. So I think it's just now become habitual. It's kind of like what makes you want to drink water? Well, it's just like, it's me alive. We need it. That's how I feel about growth. I need it. I need it. It's, it's your life force. It's my life force. It's my prana. Exactly. Yes. Total life force. So you are a behavioral expert and pattern interrupter that uses a combination of cognitive behavioral therapy, neuroscience, and psychology to help your clients. So how do you incorporate these modalities into your work with your clients? Can mm-hmm. you share a little bit about that? Sure. So I've been trained in a lot of different modalities. Those are a few like CBT, DBT, NLP, psychotherapy, but I also bring a lot, especially over the last five years, um, a lot more spiritual conversations into the work, a lot of understanding around quantum physics and and the nature of the universe, the laws of the universe. So I think with all my training, what's happened, and I think this this happens to everybody. If you look at Tony Robbins, he was trained by Jim Rohn and then Jim Rohn and Bob Proctor. And then I was trained a little bit by Proctor and another mentor of mine who was trained directly by Proctor. So I think what happens is that the, the information which comes from source gets kind of filtered through different people who then share and transmit that information using their own voice. So I think the way I, I teach my style of teaching and how I teach and what I teach is like all of the tools in my toolbox, and then tuning into whatever people need. So 
my morning sessions, for example, my morning uh, mindset club, I give someone a reflection for the day. And then I take them through a deeper understanding of like spiritual laws or the laws of manifestation or understanding minds, something around mindset or understanding this idea of like what you can control versus what you can't control, loving detachment. So I, I talk about so many things based on what I feel my clients or my groups need. And then in mentorship circles where people have private mentorship with me as groups or one-on-one, people will ask me direct mentorship questions. And then very much my style is intuitive. Like I sort of, you know, one of your questions was like, what's your biggest superpower is seeing what's behind the question. So I can see through like the block, I can see what's there for someone and I help them identify what's there and help them to get through it. So I think I have like a laser vision into like people's soul and I can spot their fear, but I can also spot what's happening behind the fear. So I coach based on all of those pieces. Now, being a mindset coach, can you speak to the importance and how important a part mindset played in helping you through your struggles and how important mindset is to our daily routines and our success? I would say it's the most important thing. And I'm not, I'm not saying it because it's like, that's the cliche thing to say, Mm -hmm. but I will tell you that if you were to look at my life, even five or six years ago to now, Brad, I went from someone who ran this business on Bay street. Everything looked good on paper. I worked with corporate clients. You know, I looked successful. I had all these degrees on my wall, but deep down inside, I was very insecure. I was extremely unhappy. I was dealing with my own levels of depression. I could barely pay my team some months. I had to pay Peter to pay Paul. I was shuffling money around. I was basically like people that come to me. I was like that person. And it was around that time that my son was born that I started to really do mentorship and coaching with some very like big names. I'm not going to name all of them, but some of that is, is kind of irrelevant, but yeah. I invested like hundreds of thousands of dollars into my own mindset and coaching for myself. And it was around that time and just before the pandemic, when my business went from barely being able to pay my team to making my first seven figures in six months. And wow. Yeah. And then doubling it and then tripling it and then having this exponential growth. And the only thing that changed Brad was my mindset. The only thing that changed, and I say only as if it's like, just change your mindset. But it was like the discipline and understanding that strategy in your business is maybe 10 or 20% and mindset is 80 to 90. Because if you have the wrong mindset and the right strategy, you won't get anywhere. But if you have the right mindset and the wrong strategy, you'll have the mindset to change the strategy, right? So people like Proctor, people like my coach, David, people like other mentors that came into my life at different times, they really had me see that I had certain limiting beliefs around money. I had certain limiting beliefs around success as being a woman. I had certain limiting beliefs around what was possible for me. I had certain limiting beliefs around, can I really make it as an entrepreneur? So when I really started to do that deeper healing, Mm -hmm. that is when my entire life in business like that's when I met my, my, my current husband. It's when we, you know, started to travel the world and live in different places. It's when we bought our, our dream home. It's like all of those things were a direct reflection of the inner work that I was doing because our outer experience merely reflects our inner experience. I was just going to ask you, so then what would you say then to entrepreneurs who are just starting out in their, in that, in their entrepreneurial journey yeah. that need the coaching, but they don't have this. They don't have the money to get started yeah. with coaches. So what would you yeah. suggest to them? I suggest that that's the wrong mindset. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you why. No, no, but seriously, this okay. is probably the quintessence of the quintessence. We believe because we see with our eyes, 
And we, if we don't see the money in our bank account, we make decisions from a place of not having money. However, if we always make decisions from what we don't have, we'll never be able to access what's actually possible for us. So when I first invested my biggest amount of money into a coach, I didn't think I had the money. But here's what's funny. The minute you make a decision, the money shows up. People have money for all kinds of things. Like think about how much money people spend at Starbucks or how much they yeah. spend on going out for dinner. It's actually a prioritization and value system where they don't value spending that money on a coach. But what I would say to you is this, if you only spent any money moving forward in your business on working with a mentor or coach that's paved the way and can guide you, then that's the most important asset is you in your business. So I didn't have the money when I hired my coach, I made the decision to work with my coach and then the money showed up. That's how it works in the universe. But the other piece is this, you can also start with free things and free resources and move your way up. So for example, like when I was first, first starting, I would listen to like Tony Robbins stuff for free, you know, yeah. and then you buy like the two ninety nine program. And then you get into the world of that person and you recognize, wow, like all of a sudden I can afford to spend a thousand dollars. Then I can afford to spend $20,000. And so someone's journey with me, a client journey can be very similar where they listen to my podcast. It's free. They follow me on Instagram. I always write very value add kind of content. So they can learn a lot just from, from me for free, but then they might say, I want to actually go do a program with Adele. I'm going to start with her, you know, something under $500. And then they can work themselves all the way up to spending $100,000 to me. It depends. So I think there's always money for the things that we value. And I think that when someone has the mindset of no matter what, I will do whatever it takes to succeed. The universe presents them with opportunities to move to the next level. So this is part of what I teach my money courses, like never make decisions from what you don't think you have, make them from desire, make them from where you want to go and everything shows up. Because here's how I look at it. I had a woman call in once, Brad, I'm not even kidding. So I have my intro program is called my CEO blueprint. And the next one coming up is in the fall. And I run it like two or three times a year. And it's all about inner healing. And when I first ran that program years ago, it was like $297 for a four week program. So super affordable. And I had a woman, she, I mean, this is how badly she wanted to make it work. She called my team from a shelter with her daughter. Wow. And she's like, I could sell this to do the program. And that's what she did. And then it changed her entire life. She actually started a business. Like you got his power, power. See, when you are a victim of your circumstances, you always stay a victim. But then you got this woman in a shelter with her daughter and she's like, if I sold my TV, I could do this program. And we're like, you know what? Do that because here's what's going to happen. You're going to see the power that you have inside of you to change your circumstances. Giving someone something for free does not teach them that vested interest of power. They don't value it. They don't value and they don't learn for themselves that they're powerful beyond measure. They don't learn for themselves like... Honestly, Brad, ask yourself this question. If I, if my kid or someone I loved was in danger, would I not sell my home to go save that person? Absolutely. Women in their business are like, I can't afford the 999 program for my business because uh, blah, blah, blah. It's like bullshit. <laughs> I call bullshit on that. Yeah. If your child was taken for ransom, you'd be yeah. like, you'd find know. the money. I would find, find the money. money. And Proctor taught me that. People find the money for the things that they value. But therein lies another thing. It's like, okay, let's be honest here. The coaching world is fucking flooded with coaches. Mm -hmm. So how do you find the right coach? Totally. Well, that's a different question. I think the coaching industry is not only flooded, but there's a lot of, I say this with love because I'm part of that industry is there's a lot of out of integrity in the industry. Meaning there's a lot of people calling themselves coaches that 
haven't maybe produced those results with people. And there's a lot of people who just get started and they say, I can help you make a million, but they've never made a million. I mean, there's a lot out there. So I think yeah. you have to do your due diligence, but I do believe this. I do believe that when the student is ready, the teacher appears for them. I do believe in divine intervention. I do believe that I met the right coaches at the right time. I do believe that I had an internal drive to work with certain people and not others. I do believe that your internal psychology, Brad, can always tell if someone's the right fit for you. So I just think that people need to trust themselves more. But where people get clouded is what we were just talking about, is they do the whole, they shop around for the cheaper option. Yeah. And it gives them the cheaper result. As yeah. opposed to go, I don't want the cheaper option. I want the best option. I want the person who has a track record of success. I want the person that when I look at the hundreds of people, they have thousands of people they worked with, you see a through line of transformation. That's yeah. what you should be looking for. Not how much does the thing cost and what day is the program on? And that's all nonsense. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what type of person or client is your ideal client and and what is your process like how do you decide or what do you look for in a potential client before deciding to work with them yeah so it's a great question i don't do very many one-on-ones anymore my one-on-one okay. if people wanted to work with me one-on-one it's it's an application process and okay. in that application process there are specific questions i ask and it is really to see if this, if this person is at the level to go to a higher level. So it's not someone just starting out. It's usually someone who's like, I've had a certain level of success in my life, but I want to have a quantum leap in my life or business. Okay. But in my group programs, anyone is welcome to join. But what typically happens is my ideal customer, the people that typically join are mostly women. And it's not because uh, men are welcome and we have had men, but it typically seems to be still more women. And I, I think it's maybe because healing and inner child healing and therapy and coaching might be still more skewed towards people think it's for women, but right. we have men in the group. It's like so amazing. Typically women, I've had women of all kinds of ages, lots of entrepreneurs, lots of doctors, lots of naturopathic doctors, lots of clinicians, lots of people who, you know, people who typically come in, they recognize that there's something standing in their way, like a limiting belief, or maybe there's some childhood trauma, or maybe there's something going on in their life and they're looking for solace. They're looking for a breakthrough. They're looking for some level of inner peace. So it is really open to anyone who's ready to take on another level of transformation for themselves. Could and be do the work. And do the work. Yeah. Do the work. Totally. That's the most important is that they're, they're not, I mean, sure. You'll take their money, but yeah. do the work though. Put in the, if you're paying the money, you might as well do the work. You're here yeah. for a reason. Totally. And I think that's what makes me unique. And what I do is that I, I think that there isn't even, when I look at my, my participants, and there's like a couple hundred right now at any given moment in different programs, people know that when they're in my energy field, not doing the work is not really an option. Like you're not in it with me every day if you're not committed to doing the work. Because it's yeah. not going to heart. Like you said, like this isn't some kind of airy fairy process. This is like a real, like it starts with really understanding your own inner psychology and your your demons and facing those demons, like the hero's journey. It's like Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. And so I do believe that for people to start to come into my world, there needs to be a willingness to do the work. We can pretty much scope that out very early on with people if they don't have the willingness to do the work. But right. I think I think the people I attract into my world, I'm very grateful. I attract people that are like, I've done all these other things and I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired <laughs> and, and I will do whatever you tell me. And yeah. I will follow you and you will lead me and to greater pastures. And that's kind of the vibe. So yeah. yeah, 
I think, I love it. and you know this, Brad, I'm sure like you always attract the exact reflection of who you are. Yes. So because I'm someone who's unwavering in my commitment to do the work and I do the hard work on myself every day, I'm going to see my mentor next week. I do two day intensives and this, and I've done psilocybin journeys and I've worked with shamans and I've done like, I've done it all. Yeah. And I think because I have this willingness to consistently grow, I attract people in my world that are like very similar to me. They're just let's call it a few steps down on the, on the same mountain, right? right? It's just like, I've just done it a little bit faster or I've, mm-hmm. I've been in it longer. And so it's not a better or worse than it's just a, a level of wisdom or maturity. So that's people I attract people that are willing to do the work. Really, Your vibe attracts your tribe, as they say. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do? Oh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> All of the things. (laughs) I'm obsessed with it. Like it's, you know, Napoleon Hill calls it your magnificent obsession. Like I wake up in the middle of the night with ideas for the courses. I am at the gym. I have my phone out and I make notes. Like I (laughs) I live, if you ask my husband, like no word of a lie, I live and breathe the work. And that's the other piece is like, I'm doing my passion and my purpose. So it's like an extension of who I am. So I love seeing people transform. I love seeing how people have breakthroughs. I love seeing the community aspect of love and care for other people that they just met. I love having people write us testimonials that say, I did 25 years of therapy and then I did Dell's four-week program and my life changed more in four four weeks. You know, I love that people can conceive a child after doing work with me and they weren't able to conceive. I love when people make their first million and that's what they've wanted. I love when people move to a different country and I love all of it. I love that I'm a stand for you having whatever you want in, in your life and I have no bias around what that is. So I love all of it, but more than anything, I think I just wake up in the morning and if I'm having a bad day or something's going on in my personal life, I plug into my teachings or the structure and it puts me in a state of gratitude immediately. Like, I'm just like, wow, I I get to do this. Like I get to be this person for these people and I've worked my ass off to get here. Like, that's the other thing is it does take hard work, but it doesn't mean you have to make that work hard. You know, the distinction between it is hard work to be successful in your business but it doesn't mean you have to make it hard. And that's something I talked about this morning in Morning Mindset is that we make things hard and overcomplicate it because we have a safety value that we have, that it's like, if we make it hard on some level, there's this kind of badge of honor as opposed to success is easy. And I have to be able to learn the principles of success and master those principles in order to be successful. I think the badge of honor thing and working hard, this, this word hustle, I cannot oh, stand right. that fucking word. <laughs> and it's like, people wear it as a badge of honor. They like, do. No, why the fuck is that a badge of honor? Because especially as women, especially as the entrepreneurial culture, you know, actually has so much mental health associated. There's so many people I know in the entrepreneurial space that suffer with mental health. And the part of that is that there's this idea of, I need to hustle. I need to grind. I need to put in, you know, my 70 hours a week. I got, you know, I got to do all this crazy things as opposed to working effectively and smart and having boundaries around their time. And so that's for me where my story started, where I was in burnout so many times as an entrepreneur that that's when I really started to tether to coaching where I was like, there has to be an easier way. Like I I cannot keep burning out. So I attract a lot of people as well who have gone through burnout. And I think, as you know, entrepreneurs deal with burnout. They're on the brink of burnout all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a function of you don't understand what's important for you to be doing in your business. We have a badge of honor that we feel like we're more successful or we've earned it more if we have to like basically kill ourselves for it. Yeah. As opposed to recognizing that the cause and effect of what's required to be successful. So it's like, for example, you know, if I'm trying to make sales in my, if I'm trying to make money in my business, I better be selling something. So I have to master, seriously, I have to master 
that's a skill set that I don't care. Money is not moving unless you're selling something. It's like you're either selling yourself or you're selling a product or service or a coaching package. So one of the sales courses I just taught a month ago was really phenomenal because it was all about the energetics of selling. We as women are not taught how to master sales. And so we wonder why we can't succeed in our business. It's like, because you're pushing papers around and it's not giving you the result that you need. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's also about, we need to know what right actions to be taking in our business. And I think when I first started, I did not know the right actions to be taking in my business. I was like, as long as I'm busy from nine to five, doesn't matter if I'm pushing the same paper around, I think yeah. I had a successful day. And now success to me is I can work two hours a day. I can have a six figure day and that's successful. I don't need to work 20 hours a day. Yeah. There are weeks that I work a lot more if I'm in a launch, if I've got seven overlapping programs, it depends. But at the end of the day, you have to be selling something in order for money to move into your business. And you need Mm -hmm. to learn to master how to sell what you're selling and provide value for people and ask for the money and understand the energetics. There's all of these pieces. Yeah, it's a it's a big puzzle with a lot of moving pieces for sure. So being an entrepreneur, obviously, it's not for the faint of heart. It's a tough (laughs) journey, but it is incredibly rewarding. The best. I couldn't imagine doing anything else or going back to working for someone else. So what is the one piece of advice? If you could offer just one piece of advice to someone who's thinking about making the leap into entrepreneurship, what would that be? I would say find someone who's done what you've done and follow them, like never leave their side, like mentorship, 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 mentorship. Like if you want to open a business in design, go find someone who does the work that you do and ask them to for free, just what's that word I'm looking for? Shadow. Oh, shadow. Can I, yeah, shadow. Yeah, shadow. Yep. I shadow you? Can I, mm-hmm. can I work with you? Is there like find someone who's doing what you want to be doing and go learn everything that you can from them. And that's what Tony Robbins did with Jim Rohn. That's what Bob Proctor did with Earl Nightingale. That's what the mega people in the, in the world have done. That's I'm sure what Steve Jobs did. Like you have to understand that there are certain things that you need, not just coaching on, but you, your mind needs to see someone who's done it to see that it's possible for you. So I think if you're looking to start a business or to start something, then go find someone that you're like, I want to follow this person and do that. That's what I would have done differently. And that's what I did do the second time around. I was like, <laughs> I, when I started my business online, I was like, I really need to look at the successful people that have done this and really look at how they've done this. And then I need to go pay and work with them so they can teach me how they did this. And then I can understand and get the wisdom and the transmission of that wisdom. There's something about proximity to power, right? There's proximity to mentorship. It's a real energetic thing. Just by being in someone's presence, you transmit a level of wisdom. And that's why paying for mentorship is really important too, because you get another level of that transmission. I want to speak a little bit about women in entrepreneurship. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on the landscape of entrepreneurship and women-run businesses in terms of how it's evolved and how it's continuing to shift. Yeah. Like, do I see that it's shifting? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, every one of my groups is, like I said, predominantly women. And most of those women are entrepreneurs because even if they're naturopathic doctors, they're running a business. So I feel as though we're in this incredible shift, especially with the pandemic. And I think where the pandemic really helped entrepreneurs is that it allowed people to do things online that they never would have thought they could do online and they could reach more people. So, you know, naturopathic doctors, as an example, their board and their laws were very much like they didn't know how to do telemedicine and COVID had them change some of those rules and evolve. So I think with the pandemic, a lot of people were dissatisfied with their jobs. And then when their jobs became obsolete, it had them forced into whether it was network marketing or MLM or 
something like that. Or it was like, finally, I'm going to go start the thing I want. So I, I used to think that women were on this forefront of like feminine leadership in a lot of different ways. So it's really empowering. I do think that this is the time. This is the time. So what would you say then, as, aside from COVID, what would you say is the catalyst for that? More women making the jump into entrepreneurship now than ever before. Well, I think it's just like opportunities. I think Mm. it's opportunities. I think it's the fact that there's more women, like more platforms of women like Gabby Bernstein and Marie Forleo and Oprah and, you know, um, more women in power speaking up about what's possible. I think we're in a different evolution of life. I think some women aren't getting married and having children. I think different priorities. So I think it's all of those pieces. I think like Amanda Francis, there's so many women talking about money and success like never before. And those are taboo topics that nobody talked about. And so there's a lot of women I know personally that are colleagues of mine, that their mission is to empower women to have the wealth more proportional in the world, not just in the hands of men, but in the hands of women. Yeah. So I think there's this huge like shift in consciousness around women being in power and women feeling empowered to be in power. And I think a lot of that is because of these amazing icons in the space that are speaking up about what's possible for women. Giving women permission to stand up and go after and take what they want to take what they want and to and to stop well it's even shaming women to talk yeah. about it's like why can a man talk about his success and then a woman talks about it and people get all swirly yeah. so that i think we're we're still in a phase where give it a few more years and i think that it's going to be like really commonplace but I, I, I do think that we're in this huge shift. I see it just with even with my uh, my customers and clients. Yeah, I think we still have a ways to go with it, but at least the wheels are turning in the right direction and we're headed in the right direction now. Absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say are the top three skills needed to be a successful entrepreneur? Oh my goodness. Top three. Yeah. Discipline, determination, and purpose. Beautiful. Discipline, determination, and purpose. You have to have the purpose of why you're doing what you're doing. You need to mm-hmm. discipline to discipline your mind to do the things you need to be doing and determination because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. And you have to recognize that entrepreneurship is about failing forward and that you have yeah. to have determination or resilience, you know, to get up after every fall and recognize that it's not a function of you not being worthy, which is what a lot of people collapse and mm-hmm. rather that success is built on making mistakes. And that's just the law of success. You're not going to think about, you know, I always say to people, like when a baby's learning to crawl, it's not like it tries to get up once, falls and goes, ah, this walking thing. (laughs) It's not for me. (laughs) I give up. (laughs) Yeah, I give up. But that's what we do with entrepreneurship. It's like, I did this launch and it wasn't good. So I think I'm done. It's like, no, 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 no. Like you're going to fail seven times on that launch until you're on the eighth master like you got to have that determination to keep going no matter what you got to have the discipline of mind and body and all the things and then you've got to have your purpose your why you're doing it yeah that, that's kind of like the carrot dangling in front of you you know yeah for sure so i would say you are a women's empowerment advocate yeah absolutely what, what do you do to empower yourself and other women well i think my work empowers other women mm-hmm. i'm a really a stand and not just women i a stand for human beings right too. To really like live the life of their dreams, not the life they were told they needed to live to make someone else happy. But how I empower myself every day is Mm. through my morning routine, through my son. Like, you know, my son empowers me because it's like, I look at this, this boy and I'm like, you know, what's the story he's going to tell in hindsight about his mom? You know, like my mom, you know, she, I was a single mom at first. And so I was working, I was the only one paying for things. Like I really, I was running a business while being a single mom. 
So I just, every time I look at him, I feel empowered because number one, I mean, having a birthing a baby is the most empowering <laughs> thing you ever do. Yeah. You're basically like, I am mother earth. Yeah. And then I had him and I was running a business and, you know, I was on my own and, you know, so the whole thing, I just feel empowered when I look at him. Yeah. So, so yeah. speaking of empowerment, what does yeah. that word mean to you? You're finding your personal power. So what I mean by that is a lot of women, I find they, if you actually, I'm a very visual person. So when I mm-hmm. teach, I, I do a lot of diagrams and stuff. So <laughs> hands a lot. You can't see me, but I'm using my hands a lot. So women, I find, live their life standing beside their power as opposed to in their power. I think for me, empowerment means finally giving yourself permission to step fully into your power. And when you step into your power, it scares the bejesus out of most women because they're like, holy fuck, this is <laughs> yeah. what the hell have I been doing my whole life? Mm-hmm. Giving my, handing my power over to my mom and my dad and my husband, and the government and my boss and some other male in my life or female in my life. And so empowerment to me is every day making a decision to stand firmly in my power and not give it away to other people. Now, you say that it's your job to help create the life of people's dreams and earn cash while living out their divine purpose. Why have you decided to make this per- this your personal mission? Why is this so personally important to you doing it's, this? It's what changed my life. I literally was someone who, like I said, like I paid my team before I paid myself. I was miserable. I was burnt out. I felt like I had to trade my time for money. I, I undervalued myself. I put myself in positions of unworthiness. And so when I finally started to become financially successful, it opened up a gateway, a portal of what was possible for me. And money is just a medium of exchange. It's just a frequency. It gives you choices and ability to make choices. Money is just a construct, right? So it's really just like, for me, money is a vehicle to living that life of purpose. And what I do believe is true is when people don't have money, they make decisions constantly from that place. So ask yourself this question. It's like, If I'm constantly worried about money, am I really able to access the true essence of who I am? And for most people, they can't. So when I became financially successful and healthy, because it's a part of health is like financial health. I all had all the other health pieces, but I didn't have the financial health or literacy. And when I became financially healthy, every area of my life got amplified. So I am very passionate about teaching, teaching women to do the same. They often even if they're successful, their husband manages their money or they still ask for permission, which I think is so fucking hilarious. It's like, you're <laughs> the money. why are you asking permission? It's your money. It's your money. You made it. <laughs> because we're taught as children. It's like, I don't know, for most women, dad managed the money. Yeah. So I, I still find myself, like I would ask my dad these kinds of things because it's like d- dad knows. And so for me, this empowerment around my, my finances I think is when I really started to tap into infinite potential and I started to really tap into the power. I love it. Mm -hmm. So how important as an entrepreneur, you've mentioned, we've mentioned mentorship and stuff a couple of times now, how important as an entrepreneur is that work of giving back and mentoring in terms of say feeling a, a responsibility or an obligation to the up and coming people entering into the world of entrepreneurship? I think it's paramount because I think that how information gets transmitted. So I very much believe that your ideas are not necessarily your ideas that come from source, but they come from source with and through you. Okay. And there's a certain intelligence and wisdom that you bring to those ideas. And then when you coach or mentor other people with that wisdom, we pass it down, we pass it down. So 
it's kind of like the snowball. It's like infinite. So I help a thousand people, those thousand people help a thousand people, those thousand people help a thousand people. So I do believe, I don't think it's an obligation because I don't like that word, but I do think it's a responsibility. I love the word responsibility. I think it's a responsibility to help other people. But I also think that it's the person, the mentee's responsibility to also bring something equally important and valuable to that relationship. Yeah, Yeah, give and take for sure. Absolutely. You mentioned earlier on that you have a podcast. So your podcast is, I would love for you to share a little bit about your podcast. Is it, what's the title of it? Is it solo? Is it interview? Is it a mix of both? All that good stuff. Oh, good. So my podcast is called Beyond Breakthroughs. You can find it on wherever you get your podcasts. And it's literally 15, 20 minute little episodes. Right now it's all solo. And it's basically things that we're talking about here, little rants about little little topics that we're talking about, a lot of things that are happening with with clients, a lot of things that I teach in my morning mindset, all around mindset, around spirituality, about the laws, around success. And I'm currently in a little pause of that because we're launching season two. Okay. It's coming out in like a month. So I took a little pause just to kind of yep. reset and think about what I want. And I think season two is going to be a lot more, could be a lot of some interviews, but I'm going to do client testimonials, have some clients on, share about their transformation and breakthroughs. Awesome. So it'll be, there's going to be like a different angle to season yeah. two. And we'll do kind of what I want to do is an ask Adele anything kind of thing. Like, you okay. know, remember Dear Abby? Yeah, so yeah. Writing questions, <laughs> that kind of thing, which I Very love. Cool. I love Dear Abby. So that's where the podcast is going. But I love it because honestly, there have been people that have listened to my podcast for the last two years, binged it. And they're like, they've never done a program with me yet. But I know that at some point, people will listen to an episode, maybe they'll have listened to my podcast for a year and something will click and they'll be ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really great gateway for people to understand me and how, how I work and how I speak. And yeah, so I love it. Get introduced to Adele's world. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it. Yeah. To date, what would you say is your biggest hire, your greatest win? My son. For sure. Makes me want to cry. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, all the success aside, like none of it would matter to me without that deep, you know, and I say that because he taught me who I really am. Every day I look at him, I'm like, wow, like I'm able to do anything. So he's my greatest victory. All the other stuff is great. Like millions are great and success is great. But being a mom to my kid is like a true representation of what's possible for women. And when, when women say to me, well, I'm a single mom and I can't, it's like, I was a single mom. And I also thought I couldn't. And you have to move out of that mindset. You have a responsibility to your kid to do better. You have a responsibility to your children to show them what's possible, to honor yourself so that they learn to honor themselves. They're modeling and mirroring you every day. So I think as a parent, it's, it's actually a responsibility as a parent to do that inner work for yourself so that you can show your kids what's possible. Beautiful. Yeah. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? Well, it's kind of what I said before, like just seeing people's blind spots. Like I have this, someone will be talking to me and I have this like voice that's going on. And I think it's the voice of the universe. Or God, <laughs> and it's like, this is what this person's actually trying to tell you. And then I'll say that and they'll like, whoa, that's exactly what I was. So I very much am intuitive. I have high intuition. I have high ability, like emotional intelligence to, to read between the lines for people. And I think that is what's made me extremely successful because it's different if you can. So how do I say this a different way? 
you can be a good coach and teach things, but it's very different when you embody the work and when yeah. you feel people. And I think mm -hmm. that I've gotten to this place of feeling people deeply, embodying the work, seeing what's there for people, having, I'm very straight. So the way you and I talked, this is how I am. Yeah. Call them on their bullshit, like right to their face. <laughs> I love it. Let's <laughs> crap. Let's yeah. actually talk about what's happening. <laughs> and you know what? I mean, like, you're either going to like that style or you're not. I'm not a Pollyanna. I'm not going to be like, well, hey, you tried. So let's just stop now. It's like, no, I know what's possible for you. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> That's crap. No sugarcoating no bullshit. No sugarcoating. No sugarcoating. Yeah. yeah. I love it. So speaking of success, what does that word mean to you? How do you define the word success? For me, it's, it's living a joy-filled life in alignment with my desire every day. And the, again, the money and the resources is just a result of the success. It's a result of that joy. Money is not cause. Money is the effect of the right. cause. What's the cause is you. So yeah. for me, it's like success is I get to do whatever the heck that I want whenever I want it. Success is after I'm done with you here, I'm going to have a beautiful lunch and go for a nice walk and then have a session with my, like success is freedom in my calendar. Success is finishing my day by three or four o'clock and picking my son up from school and having a dinner with him. Like success is freedom. Mm -hmm. So it's not success is money. Again, money is a tool that provides right. me a level of freedom. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life and what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? Well, I think, yeah, we kind of talked a little bit about that. Whereas before I learned it, my life felt fairly miserable. I felt like I was at the mercy of my circumstances. And when I finally learned that I can have whatever I want, as long as I'm willing to do my part. And as long as I really start to shift my mindset, and as long as I start to live my life in line with my desires and I make decisions from that place, I learned that anything was possible. So now I live in a very different realm of possibility. So I actually feel like the minute I have an idea to do something, I already know that that thing is here because I wouldn't have the idea if it wasn't. So it creates a completely different context for life. One thing you'll never catch me doing, Brad, is over deliberating on a decision, focus grouping a decision, asking my <laughs> husband if I can do it, think, looking at my bank account to decide if I should do it. You'll never. Well, we know that one already. For sure. That's, that's a given. You've stated that multiple yeah, times. But I just don't do any of that. It's like something shows up in my life. I ask myself, does that something I want to do? Is it something that's moving me closer to where I want to go? And is it something that feels in alignment with my desire? And if I can answer yes to all those three things, I go for it. You're in 100%. Answer, and I'm in. And if any of those are no, then I don't do it. Yeah. So, one of my friends always says, if it's not a hell yes, then forget it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be two, three, four word answer type thing. Okay. 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 How would you describe yourself in one word? Unstoppable. My favorite way to unwind is? Glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> If you could teach the world one thing, what would that one thing be? You're powerful beyond measure. Just go for it. What's one thing you want, but cannot buy with money? Peace. What is one of your favorite entrepreneurial books? Think and Grow Rich or The Science of Getting Rich. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled okay, program. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's one thing you know now that you wish you had known when you started out on your entrepreneurial journey? That it's never going to look the way that you want it to or think it will. So just go for it and fail forward, period. I love it. Do not overthink. Do not over strategy. Do not over plan. And it is really it's a dance between faith, taking mm -hmm. risks, and 
making mistakes and continuously doing that process over and over again. So again, then these people that are on the fence or sit there, oh, you know, I really, I really want to make the jump into entrepreneurship, but I can't right now. I, I, I've got this job and it's steady income and this is so unknown. What do you say to that? You're never going to make the jump because it's never going to be known. So you have to make a decision. It's like saying like, uh, I'm not that happy in my marriage, but I got kids. So then I'll be miserable in that marriage until the kids go to school. And then the kids grow up saying you should have had a divorce because you knew you were miserable. It's like, why do we live life like that? It's so yeah. backwards. It's like, you're never going to, it's ne- it's like when people say with kids, it's never the right time to have that, kids. Is that yeah. the truth? Yeah, like, it is. It is. And, but it's but then you have the kid and you're like, oh my God, I could never imagine my life without it. And that's how entrepreneurship is. I did it. I did it. <laughs> I did it. Oh my God. It was amazing. I did it. So just make a decision. Either stay in your job and stop complaining or start your <laughs> Cut the bullshit. <laughs> just cut the bullshit. Shut up. And do it or don't. Suck it up and, and yeah. quit your bitching about your job, that you're miserable, that you hate. You know, yeah. it makes me these when I think about it, because I did it too. Yeah. You get stuck in this thing where you're living your life for those two days at the end of the week. I know, you're crazy. fucking miserable every day going to work and you bitch about it and you bitch about it, but you don't do anything about it. No one else is, is going to come and save you. No one's going to yeah. do it for you. But people find there's a safety to that. It's easy to bitch, but it's not easy to make the move. So here's the thing. Trading your time for money is the worst trade ever because your time is, is a limited resource and money is unlimited. Yeah. So Doing something five days a week for however many hours you do it that you despise to live two days a week of your life is unfortunately like a slow drift to death. Like you can't live life like that when you know there's something else calling you. You have to trust in those nudges of the universe that are saying to you, it was like for me, there's more, there's something. I didn't know what that was. You only know in hindsight. It's like Steve Jobs. You can't connect the dots looking forward, only looking backwards. What does the universe require from you? A step in one direction. So a step forward. It's like, fine, I'm leaving my job or I'm doing this thing. It's like just taking that next action is what's required. But everyone comes up with the excuse, I can't do it because of this. I can't do it because of that. I can't. So you either live your life based on excuses or you're either going to, you're either going to do something or you're not going to do something. And Proctor used to always say to people like they either will or they won't. And that's it. And we create drama and meaning (laughs) stories. But the truth is you're either going to Paris or you're not. You're either having a baby or you're not. You're either starting your business or you're not. Choose. Yeah. Make a decision. Make a decision. Yeah. I talk a lot about decision-making because it's something people get really stuck with. Yeah, for sure. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman in the world, any woman, who would it be and why? I think it'd be Oprah Winfrey because I fucking love her. She's like (laughs) the best. And my clients used to always say, Adele, you're the white Oprah because you always, I always have to have a a box of tissues next to you. (laughs) (laughs) I make people cry, but not in like a bad way. Yeah. So Oprah, because I just feel like she's the Mecca. I mean, look at what she overcame to be who she is. She's the hero's journey, the heroine's journey. And I read her book. Um, She has an amazing book. I find what it was called. It's amazing. It was just like the story of her journey. So I would love to meet Oprah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? Unexpected blessing. Hmm. Well, I think I'm, cur- I'm currently going through some personal obstacles uh, in a certain situation. And although it feels, it can feel emotionally taxing at times, I know that there's an opportunity and blessing on the other side of it. Because I always believe that the universe throws you something that feels like a problem and an obstacle. But on the flip side of that, there's some beautiful thing waiting for me. And that's happened many, many times. So 
I think there's a blessing in embedded in the thing that feels challenging at the time. There's lessons in there. It's there to teach us. Yeah. To teach us and evolve us to something bigger and better. Yeah. Yeah. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? It's all going to work out better than you could have ever imagined. So stop stressing. (laughs) Stop worrying. Just, just, you know, it's all going to work out. It always does. Even if you have to fall a million times and you've got to have your heart broken. And even at times where you feel like, you know, just, you have to trust the grace of God. You have to trust the grace of the universe. And so Mm -hmm. it would really be just like to just, it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out better than you could have imagined. You can't even imagine it until you look back in hindsight anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world like your corner of the world your tribe your peeps oh my god what would that last 30 seconds sound like what would you say what words of wisdom would you impart i think so much of what i said here today would be like basically like i think part of it would be spend the rest of your life finding out who you really are and make every decision in alignment with that never look back, never let the naysayers get in your way, follow your tribe, keep moving forward, fail forward, never give up, never stop. Just keep pushing forward and recognize that every time you take a step, the universe meets you in the middle. Every time you take a step, the universe provides something for you. And that, yeah, you won't know your success until you look back in hindsight. So you have to trust that those, like Steve Jobs said, those dots are moving you in the right direction and never belabor a decision. Really understand that opportunities are coming in your life to move you forward. And the faster you say yes, or the faster you say no, the faster the next step appears. Beautiful. Adele, thank you so very much for this incredible opportunity to sit down and chat with you. This has been such an incredibly inspirational conversation. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you so very much. I am honored to have you now as a member of the Empowerography community. It's just, you are so inspirational. Keep shining your bright, beautiful light onto the world and doing all the beautiful things that you're doing. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Brad. It's been awesome. (laughs) Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Adele Tevlin. She is an entrepreneur, mindset coach, therapist, and the female version of Tony Robbins. (laughs) Thanks so (laughs) And a mom, last but certainly not least a mom. Thank you so much, Adele. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thanks, Brad. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.